invite you to stand together as uh, we read this morning's passage of scripture from Psalm chapter, uh, the 103rd Psalm, verses 1 through 5. Would you join with me? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you as good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. And we've provided an outline that we hope you'll find helpful this morning. I think there ought to be a law that the stores and the malls can't put up any Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. This law would say that radios, radio stations cannot play uh, Christmas music before Thanksgiving, and if they did, they'd be fined by the FCC. <laughs> and our neighbors and friends who decorate their houses or their yards for Christmas before Thanksgiving will have to serve 30 hours of community service. <laughs> now, I'm kidding, of course. I, I love Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, that's why I'm, I'm suggesting all this. Thanksgiving, has it not, has kind of become lost in the minutiae of the Christmas hype. And for a lot of folks today, it's the day that officially launches the Christmas sales. It's the day we watch a lot of football. It's the day that uh, we stuff ourselves uh, and practice a little gluttony. But as a day that's set aside for genuine, authentic gratitude, and as a day set aside for doing an inventory of the blessings that God has given us, not so much. So this morning I want to say to you, don't bypass Thanksgiving and just rush on into Christmas. You know, Christmas is going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say something I really believe, and it's this, that it is impossible to fully experience the joy of Christmas without first experiencing the gratitude of Thanksgiving. Because the gratitude of Thanksgiving primes the pump of our heart and our spirit and gets us ready so that we can fully dive in feet first, all of us, into the joy of Christmas. Don't bypass Thanksgiving. I want you to think about this. Between that and, and Thursday. On Thanksgiving Day, I don't care if you do it, you're spending it at Noonan or if you're traveling somewhere on Thanksgiving Day, you are going to stuff your body with food. You're going to be eating turkey and dressing and maybe some ham. You're going to be eating sweet potato souffle and green bean casserole. Mashed potatoes and gravy, lima beans, pies and cakes. You can just almost taste it right now. We're going to be stuffing our bodies 
this morning, I want to draw your attention to another part of you and get you to be thinking about it and how this part of you is going to spend Thanksgiving Day. And what I'm talking about is the soul. Your soul. What is your soul? Your soul is that part of you that connects you to God. It's that part of you that defines who you are. It's that part of you that that enables you to experience the presence of God and know God and come before God in prayer. It's a hugely important part of who you are. What's your soul going to do on Thanksgiving? Your body's going to eat probably way too much. Your mind is going to be engaged in catching up with family and friends and get-togethers. What's your soul going to do? I suggest that that's a hugely important question, and that gets to the heart of what Thanksgiving is all about, because Thanksgiving, when you think about it, is a holiday, it's about the soul. It's about sensing the blessings of God. It's about being aware of and feeling gratitude to God. And the football and the turkey and everything else are just the periphery, but when you get to the core of Thanksgiving... It is gratitude to God. And that is not a work of the body. That is a work of the soul. So, I want to encourage you to think about your soul today. How will it be engaged? Will your soul be able to realize all that it has to be thankful for? And come Thanksgiving, at the end of the day, and you turn out the lights to go to sleep, we know your body's going to be full, but will your soul be full as well? To kind of help us to prepare for that, I want to draw your attention to Psalm 103. It's one of the most beautiful passages in all the Scripture. And uh, what, what makes this, this psalm so interesting is in the first five verses in particular, which we read a moment ago, David is singing, these are psalms or songs that the Hebrew people would, would use in worship. David, the psalmist, is not singing to an audience of people. He's not singing to God. Who's he singing to? Look at it. He is singing to his own soul. And he's reminding his soul to remember and to be grateful for what God has done. In verses 1 and 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all his benefits. Don't forget all the things that God has done for us. And then he begins to, to... make a list of what God has done. He's speaking to his soul. He wants his soul to remember to be thankful. And on this Thanksgiving, I would encourage you, address your soul, remind it to be grateful and thankful for all that God is doing. And a good model, I think, to help us articulate what God's doing in our lives is to use his his uh, list here as a pattern. So let's take a look at what 
David is asking his soul to remember to be thankful for. He says, first of all, bless the Lord, O my soul, and for he forgives all your iniquity. Don't gloss over that. That is huge. Your soul can rejoice because God forgives all your iniquity. Imagine if you had to spend your life carrying around guilt and shame for what you've done in the past. What if every day you woke up and all your mistakes, all your failures, all those horrible decisions you made, all those immoral behaviors maybe that you engaged in, you wake up in the morning and all those are staring you right in the face. And you've got to live your day dealing with all of that. And what if God's response was to use those to harass you, to demean you, to ridicule you, and to scorn you? You would have one dark life. Think about it this way. Suppose that over the course of your life, every wrong, sinful, evil, stupid, unkind thing you do, you get a mark. Now, over time, you're going to have lots of marks all over. Because, you know, most of us, we've done some things that we shouldn't have done. Now, it's great to know that when these marks are put on our lives, God doesn't have a permanent marker. He's got a dry erase marker. And because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his atoning act for us, we ain't got to walk around like this every day being reminded of our sins. Because, you see, they are erased. They're washed away. They are forgiven. They are forgotten. Which means that you can live your life in such a way that you don't have to be haunted for the rest of your life for those stupid, wrong things that you did a long time ago. They, can, they cannot crush your spirit anymore. Because through God's grace, through Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And God's forgiveness is an amazing, life-giving blessing. Now, your soul, maybe your soul has forgotten of what a blessing this is. That God has forgiven all your iniquity. Thanksgiving will be a good time to thank, to, to tell your soul, hey, let's be thankful. This is a big deal. He has forgiven all your iniquity. And then David goes on to this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, because he heals all your diseases. Have you ever had a disease in your body that wasn't healed on this side of heaven? It happens all the time. Lots of people have disease that isn't healed. So what are we to make about a passage like this? Well, let's remember who David 
is speaking to. He is singing to, talking to his soul. In this sentence, he heals all your diseases. Who is the your? The soul. And so he's talking here how the Lord heals all the diseases of the soul. And what are those? They are many. Hatred, malice, rebellion against God, anger, resentment, retaliation toward others, holding a grudge, hatred, unkind spirit, evil desires, revenge. And these can infect the soul and destroy it. But here's the good news. God heals all the diseases of your soul. And that's huge. I am so glad that God has healed me of some of the diseases of the soul over the course of time. Because you see, maybe you like me, over the course of my life, there have been people who hurt me deeply. People who have done grossly unfair things. And I've been on the receiving end, as you probably have, of some hurtful things. And during those times, my soul was crushed, and my soul began to harbor hatred and animosity and resentment. But fortunately, God heals all the disease of my soul. And so today, those things are just a memory. Those things don't dictate how I live my life. Those things have not turned me into a bitter, resentful, miserable person. But God has healed me of those diseases of the soul and has replaced it with something else. This Thanksgiving, remember the healing of the soul that God has accomplished in you. And if there's work yet to be done, if there's some disease in your soul that listed off, rattled off a minute ago, if any of that's still going on, bring it to God. Confess it. And he will heal it. And he'll remove it. But he can't do that until you first acknowledge it and confess it and bring it to him. Well, and and then think about this. David next, in singing to his soul, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, because he redeems your life from the pit. That can mean any number of things. It may mean the pit that you and I were living in prior to coming to know Christ as Lord. Now, some people in the church, you were blessed in that you were raised in the church 
And as far as your memory can go as a little boy or little girl, you don't remember any time in your life where Christ was not a part of your life. That's a huge blessing. But for a lot of us, maybe that's not the case. And we're all too aware of the life we were living before we met Christ. In many respects, it may have been a life of brokenness, of confusion, a life of immorality, a life that was aimless, without direction, without focus, a life that was empty, a life filled with self-indulgence. And that was the pit that we were in. But God, out of his great love for us, found us in that pit, picked us up out of it, and set our feet on solid ground. And our life is different today because of that. And that is huge. And that is something you need to remind your soul to be thankful for every single day. Sometimes we fall into pits of loneliness or of despair or sadness, maybe due to some things that have happened in our life that didn't go our way, and so we find ourselves, um, we, we lose our hope. We can't find any joy. We just go through the motions of life, pretending that everything is fine and dandy, but in reality, we are in the depths of some spiritual and emotional pit. And the harder we try to get time out of it, the deeper we seem to fall. Here's the glorious thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In those moments, whatever the source, the soul finds refuge and strength and hope when it stays focused on God. And when the soul continues to seek after God day after day when it feels like it, when it doesn't feel like it, be constant in prayer. When the soul seeks with all its heart to connect with God, God rescues that soul. God draws it out of that pit. God fills that soul with joy. Maybe there's some of us this morning that we need that to happen in our soul. Maybe we're in some pit. Whatever the pit of the soul that the soul is in, God can lead you out when you seek him with all your heart. That's a promise. That's not my promise. That's his promise. And then think about this. Not only does he lead us out of the pit, David says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, because he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So in other words, he doesn't just pull us out of the pit and say, All right, you're on your own. He pulls us out of the pit, and when he does, he infuses our heart, he infuses our minds and our spirits with his love, with his mercy. And those enable us to, to go on and live with power, with conviction, with purpose, with meaning. 
He takes that broken, hurting spirit, that lifeless, hopeless spirit, and he lavishes into us his love, his mercy, and he says, though everybody else might leave you, I will never leave you. When you feel like you're all alone, you're not. I am with you. When you feel like a failure, you are not. You are mine and I am yours and together we can endure. Maybe some of us this morning feeling unloved or uncared about, afraid or defeated. And maybe your soul needs this morning to be reminded of the steadfast love, the mercy of God. And the operative word there is steadfast. Max Lucado is a popular Christian writer, and he shares recently that uh, his insurance company, his car insurance company, dropped him. He apparently had uh, one too many speeding tickets, and uh, he had a little fender bender. It wasn't even his fault, but it kind of put it over the edge where they just didn't feel like they could cover him anymore. So they sent him a real nice notice uh, saying that uh, he would need to seek coverage elsewhere. Well, he got to thinking about that. And he thought, you know what, what if God was like that? You know, if I mess up, God's going to forgive me, but if I mess up, you know, he's done. What if he doesn't have that steadfast love that he claims he has for us? And so, Max Licato wrote what might be a, a, a letter from the pearly gates. Dear Mr. Licato, I'm writing in response to this morning's request for forgiveness. I'm sorry to inform you that you have reached your quota of sins. Our records show that since employing our services, you have erred seven times in the area of greed, and your prayer life is substandard when compared to others of like age and circumstance. Further review reveals that your understanding of doctrine is in the lower 20 percentile and you have excessive tendencies to gossip. Because of your sins, you are a high-risk candidate for heaven. You understand that grace has limits. Jesus sends his regrets and kindest regards and hopes that you will find some other form of coverage. Thank God that his love for us is steadfast. Steadfast. There's not a moment in your life when God is not offering his love and mercy. By the way, love is just another word for grace. Grace is God's love. So God's pouring into us his love and mercy, his grace, which is his love and mercy. Do you know the difference between grace and mercy? I heard, I heard a pastor describe it this way. I thought it was beautiful. Grace is God giving to us what we do not deserve. His free, unmerited love. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. He's constantly pouring love, mercy, into your life every day. All right, and let me wrap up here. So David, 
then says, he sings to, he sings to his soul and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, for he satisfies you with good as long as you live. Life's not going to be perfect. Things aren't always going to go our way. But soul, you can have this assurance. God, our Father, loves us unconditionally. There's nothing in his heart and in his spirit that wants to make life hard or difficult or complex or oppressive for us. He's going to satisfy your soul, and he always has, he always will, with good, 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 as long as you I'm intrigued by these uh, Publishers Clearinghouse commercials. Uh, I've never seen anybody win one of those things. I, I guess they have to award those prizes, but I'm, I'm kind of suspicious. But uh, the, they got this deal now where they say, how would you like to win $5,000 a week for the rest of your life? Man, that, that could add up to some serious money. And you say, even if you're old, you can... Hand it off to somebody, a, a, a grandchild or whatever, for, for the rest of their life. That's a pretty good deal. But the odds of winning that are probably like one gazillion, zillion, whatever. But let me tell you a, a, a guaranteed win-win. When you link your life up with God, when your soul is invested in loving God, God satisfies your soul with good, with things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, things like compassion and love. And he does that for as long as you It's, a, it's pretty much a given that when you go to bed Thursday night, your body is going to be stuffed. Uh, my mama didn't like that word. She said, son, don't say stuffed. Say, I'm satisfied. That sounds a little bit better. Okay. Well, your body's going to be more than satisfied. What about your soul? Are you going to put it to work to reflect on just how amazing the benefits and the blessings of God are to you. When we think of blessings, we typically think about well, God's given us a nice house, a nice car, a nice community, nice friends, things, people. David's on to something far more complete of the things that the soul can thank God for. How? He forgives all our iniquity. How he's found us in that pit and pulled us out. And how he infuses our life with his love and his mercy. 
how he satisfies the soul with good. Make sure your soul has something to do on Thursday. Let's pray together. God, just a simple reflection on this passage brings to mind so many profound blessings that maybe we haven't thought about in a while. We pray, O Lord, that you will convict us this morning of just how empty, how dark, how meaningless, how lifeless our lives would be. Were it not for the relationship that we find in you and what that relationship and what that faith brings into our life. Lord, we just, we're thankful for Thanksgiving and we pray that the gratitude will one day just become the way we, we live way we relate to one another, but most importantly, to you. Thank you, Father. We are so, so fortunate to have had you come into our lives. Turn them around. you're still not done you still have work to do help us oh God to discern how we might cooperate with your spirit in accomplishing the work that you still want to do in each of our lives in the name and spirit of Christ we pray